are starting a new series called Maxed Out. Maxed Out. So this series is all about making space for meaning, and particularly God, who is the most meaningful thing, person rather, in a crowded life. Making space in a crowded life. Why now? Because it's January and we've just had the holidays. So if there was ever a time when people might feel like life is crowded, man, it's right now. Arguably between right now and back to school season for parents, but almost universally right now for most people. So the question is, to start out, what do we mean when we say maxed out? Now some of you probably already, you don't need to be told. I'm seeing some looks right now that you already get this way too much. But basically when we say maxed out, we're talking about stress. I think we can put all of this under the umbrella of stress. And I, I recently busted out one of my favorite books called Margin by a guy named Dr. Swenson. And this guy points out what we already know instinctively, but it's important to remember that stress is not what happens to you. Stress isn't the stuff that goes on. Stress is your response internally to the stuff that goes on. So you might be stressed if you say, I'm so stressed out. That's usually a good clue. But there are other explanations that would fit under this umbrella, such as, I don't have time. I can't be everywhere at once. I can't handle one more thing. I just want to run away. I need, I, I'm hearing, oh man, there shouldn't be clapping at this part. That's not good. I just want to run away. I need a vacation. If I could only have a few days off, I can't handle anymore. I am maxed out. I'm maxed out. And if you're not here now, good for you, but I, I don't, well, show of hands, who's been there? Has anybody ever been there? I'm not the only one, right? Okay, almost universal hands up. We can all pretty much relate to that feeling, right? Stressed out, maxed out, can't do one more thing. So here's an interesting quote, and I like what this quote says, and this is from the book Margin by Dr. Swenson. He says this, humankind has always had problems. Yet our current stress plague differs dramatically from our ancestors. No one in the history of humankind has had to live with the number and intensity of the stressors we have acting upon us today. They are unprecedented. The human spirit is called upon to withstand rapid changes and pressures <coughs> never before encountered. So, this is in the middle of a section where he's saying that we have more stress now than ever before, and he assumes that you're going to make the argument, how can you say that, Dr. Swanson? You must be flat. Don't you know that life is so much better now? Don't you know we have all this technology and all these improvements? Don't you know that the infant mortality rate is lower than it's ever been? Don't you know that we have all of these awesome things in the world that weren't here a hundred years ago? And his point is, yes, but they're still stressors. And there's more of them now than there's ever been. And one of my other favorite books, Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen, which everyone should purchase and buy, in my opinion. Preach, that's right. <laughs> Nouwen says the same thing in other words in his book. He says this, it has not always been this way. Not too long ago, there was a time without radios, without televisions, stop signs, yield signs, merch signs, bumper stickers, and ever-present announcements. In fact, now and we'll go on to categorize our world as wordy and compulsive. And I don't think that that's a bad estimation. All of that to say, these are stressors. These are things you must respond to. What happens if you don't respond to a merge sign or a stop sign 
I mean, those announcements that are letting you know there's a sale of pennies might be good news, but there's still things that demand a response. You have to put that information somewhere in your brain. And we are bombarded by stressors. Not all of them as benign as this. Some of them are very, very important. You can't do much about mandatory overtime. You have to handle that or you lose your job. Boy, that's a stressor. So when you're maxed out, when you're stressed, when you're already at that point, what Dr. Swenson would call overload, you have a feeling. And this feeling, if you've ever had it, you know, it's almost like a painful feeling. It's yucky, it's bad, it's, it's almost like a type of suffering. And in fact, Dr. Swenson names chapter four of his book, The Pain of Stress. And he goes on to argue that stress carried to the point of overload is a type of suffering. Now, some of you are saying, I've got to get to know this Dr. Swenson guy. He's, he's living in my world. And so here's a picture of that book. I would really suggest picking it up. It's amazing. You'll notice the, the uh, corners of the pages are all like, worn and bent. That's because it's been lent to no less than three people. And they have returned it with many things. So if you want to pick up Margin, I would suggest that. But let me tell you, two things are not in your imagination. One, you are living in a world that is full of stress. It's everywhere. And number two, you are not a wimp. If you're suffering, maxed out, and I'm talking about people that are in the middle of it right now, you're not a baby for having that kind of suffering and stress. Stop pretending. Stop saying things like, oh, I have it easy compared to so-and-so. I just recently, this week, read a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Has anybody heard of that? It's a classic, and I've never gotten around to reading it until this week. And it blew my mind. It's written by a guy named Viktor Frankl. And Frankl survived four concentration camps. He was in the concentration camps for years. And he happened to be a psychologist. So he gets out and he says an interesting thing about suffering. He says, you know, and this is a guy that knows a little bit about suffering, right? Years in concentration camps. He says that suffering is not unlike a gas. He's like, just like you put a small amount of gas in any size vessel and it will naturally expand to fill up the whole vessel. He says it doesn't take a lot of suffering to fill up all of you inside. It takes every available space. It's like it doesn't take a lot. So if you're suffering with stress and it seems to be the only thing you can focus on, there's a reason for that. You're suffering. But time for peace and meaning can be restored to your life. Being maxed out does not have to take you out. This is what I wrote at the end of the exhortation. And that is true. You don't have to stay maxed out. Can I hear an amen? amen? I've been maxed out and stressed out and on the edge. And you know what? You don't have to go over the edge. You can move away from the edge. Thank God. And God wants to carry you away from the edge. And we're going to talk about some techniques to do that tonight. First of all, let's just give you the solution. Here it is. The solution is to practice the presence of God. And we're done. You can all be dismissed. <laughs> and it's that easy. You said it and forget it. No, not really. <laughs> what do we mean? What do we, that's a very christian thing to say. So if this is your first time in church, you're like, what in the world? Practice the present? Look, it's just this really simple fact that God being God is everywhere. And so you need to constantly remind yourself that God is with you. Yes. You know, that wouldn't be very helpful if he was a big meanie. An ever-present bully is a bad idea. <laughs> but the Bible calls God a comforter. A comforter. Listen to this. This is from John 14, 16. Jesus is talking, and he's telling his disciples, 
This is in the old King James English. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you how long? Forever. He will abide with you forever. This word comforter is translated in other translations as advocate and helper because it encompasses all of those meanings. And here's some, some uh, information from the Blue Letter Bible app. Mm. I know it's shocking when I use that every single week. I love it. Go get it. Comforter. This means a helper, a succorer. Sucker is just an older English word for help, aid, something that makes you feel better. And he's also called an aider, assistant. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit specifically as one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, a counselor for defense, a legal assistant, or an advocate. All that to say, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is going to come be with you as one who wants to comfort you, help you, plead your case, get your back, give you strength, and help you make it. All that stuff. He couldn't be more for you. And he's going to abide with you so long as you do everything right. And then he's going to leave. No. He says, forever. Forever. Okay, check it out. The Bible is just absolutely full of assurances that God is with us. Here's Jesus again. Last sentence of the book of Matthew. Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Sounds like a long time. Sounds like Jesus is taking this personally. You're not going to go through this alone. I'm there. And if we need more than Jesus, here's some from the Old Testament. Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is with you. And he's with you to help you and strengthen you and give you what you need to make it through life, even when you're maxed out. So here's the big question that if you're maxed out, you're already thinking, and you're thinking it at me so hard, you kind of want to come up here and kick me in the shins, and that is this. Why isn't this easy? Why isn't it easy? If it's true, if God is ever-present, if God is with you and God wants to help you, and if Jesus promises over and over and over there's going to be a helper, an advocate, somebody that's pleading your cause, why is it so hard to get a beat on that? Why are we maxed out in the first place? Why is it difficult to think about? Why do we need to practice the presence of God? And let me ask you something else. When you actually do encounter God, why is that so fleeting? Isn't it amazing that we can have amazing encounters and experiences with God and then live like they never happened by Tuesday? Man, I remember when I had an encounter with God, and I'm charismatic, and I used baptized in the Holy Spirit to describe the infilling that occurred in my life. If you want to argue semantics, I guess we can do that, but whatever. That's what happened. Man, I was singing holy, 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 and the pastor snuck up on me and prayed for me, and all of a sudden I wasn't singing English, and I just started crying, and I cried for like an hour. And I'm sitting in my chair just weeping, wondering why I'm crying. I was like detached from the moment. I'm like, I'm a mess. And I was kind of aware that other people around me were a complete mess too, but I couldn't do anything but cry, and I wasn't even sad. It was so weird. It was beyond me. I was touched by a power greater than myself, and I knew that the Lord had answered my prayer. And it changed me for 12 hours. No, I'm just kidding. It changed me forever. <laughs> it changed me forever. But that afternoon, 
I got snippy with someone when I was telling them what had happened to me. <laughs> That's crazy, you know? So what's the deal? <laughs> Why? Even when we encounter God, it's so real. And I work with Jimmy, and he's looking at me like, yeah, you do that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but look, man, why is it hard? Because there's competition. God's presence isn't the only presence in our lives. Maybe you've noticed. There's a lot of competition. Does everybody know what this is a picture of? Yes. Keith does. I anticipated that, son. Why don't you tell us all, what is that a picture of? Uh, Bluetooth buds. Bluetooth wireless earbuds. The newest phase, or newest, newest craze. Who saw this coming? I'll tell you. There was a guy in 1951. His name's Ray Bradbury. And he described... The lead character of his book, Fahrenheit 451, coming home to his wife this way. His wife stretched on the bed like a body displayed on the lid of a tomb. Her eyes fixed to the ceiling by invisible threads of steel, immovable. And in her ears, the little seashells, the thimble radios tamped tight, an electronic ocean of sound, of music and talk and music and talk coming in, coming in on the shore of her unsleeping mind. The room was indeed empty. My mom used to tell me, don't ride your bike with your Walkman in. Be where you are when you're there. And I thought, Mom, that's silly. It's better with Billy Joel's I Didn't Start the Fire playing when I ride up and down my cul-de-sac. But her point is valid. We can have other voices and other presences inundating us 24-7 all the time, and that is inherently dangerous. Maybe all the voices and presences aren't bad, but the mere ability is dangerous and must be managed. Because if you're feeling maxed out and stressed out because of the stressors in your life, it might be the boss, it might be the 40-hour work week, it might be the schedule, but there are other things that are demanding a response that are still stealing time from God and from meaning, and some of those things might be Cable, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, Snapchat, the news, podcasts, texting, emailing, music, movies, Twitter, games, other people, and lastly, relaxing with an exclamation point. Why do I put that on there? Because we oh, people are just crazy. I, I'm so guilty of this as well. You feel maxed out. You feel like you have no rest. You feel completely drained. So, to relax, we do stuff that drains us even more. <laughs> That's crazy. Has anybody gotten off Facebook and felt refreshed like they have after a nap? Like, I just need some downtime. It's like the last bit of life is like draining out of your body. And this is what we call relaxing. Why? Because we've had a hard day. I don't have time for a meeting. I need to, like, stamp out the last spark of vitality that I have. Oh, my gosh. I'm not on Facebook, by the way. I, I try to keep my feelings about it secret. So if you want to know, ask me later. <laughs> so bad at it. Look, guys, how can God compete with all these different presences, with all these different voices? Do you remember the story of Elijah in the Old Testament? If you've never read it, that's fine. Here's a synopsis. Elijah wants a meeting with God. God says, fine, meet me at the top of this mountain. And Elijah goes up there, and there's all kinds of ruckus. There's a storm, there's an earthquake, there's all this dramatic stuff. And he's a prophet who knows God well. And he knows God is not in any of the hullabaloo. He waits until there's a whisper. 
and then he steps out. This is the hullabaloo. You're not going to find purpose or meaning in this. And if you're maxed out and you're desperate for it, I'm going to tell you, God is not going to compete with these things because he doesn't have to. We have to change. We have to change. In Psalm 46, it says this. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to mention two things about this verse. One is one of my favorite psalms. And two, there are some things we need to talk about. Again, an assurance that God is with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. And then this line. Be still and know that I am God. This is not telling you to sit down and take a deep breath. Be still and know is a command. Here's a quote from the great preacher Spurgeon. He says this would be translated, Hold off your hands, ye enemies. Sit down and wait in patience, ye believers. Acknowledge that Jehovah is God, ye who feel the terrors of his wrath. That's powerful. God's saying, sit down and shut up if you're my enemy. And you sit down and watch this if you're my faithful follower. This is going to be good. Let me be God for a minute. It's a command, though. It's a command, and it's something that we should keep in mind. Because I think inherent in this is a very important key to making room for meaning in a maxed out life. And that is sitting down and being quiet on purpose. We choose to engage the other presences in our life. Facebook is really good. It's high tech, man. It gets more and more high tech every day. But it can't log you in and bring you your phone yet. Every time we access YouTube or Facebook or Tumblr, we choose to do it, and we do what's necessary to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. When I was trying to quit smoking, I remember I tried to think, all I have to do is not do anything in the steps necessary to actually smoke. Like, I don't have to get in the car. I don't have to turn the car on. I don't have to drive down the street. I don't have to stop at the gas station. I don't have to grab the pack of cigarettes. I don't have to buy it from the cashier. I don't have to unwrap it. I don't have to pack it. I don't have to take a cigarette out. I don't have to put it in my mouth. I don't have to light it, and I don't have to inhale. If I can stop any of those steps along the way, I don't smoke. And yet, I, it was so hard to quit smoking. It was crazy. It's the hardest thing I ever did. Why? Because I was willing to access a cigarette. Are we willing to access God to practice the presence? Here's a strategy. This is just one. Only, only going to give one strategy to beat out the competing voices and to take advantage of what we know is true. That God is with us and that he's a comforter who's here to help. And that strategy, this is really deep, is nesting. <laughs> okay, not really. So, nesting is what I'm going to call meditative prayer. And I got this again from Henry now. <laughs> I know. Well, I got a wow from Justin. I'm glad it was just a wow after earlier. Thank you. <laughs> meditative prayer is what we're going to call nesting. And I get that from The Way of the Heart by Henry Nowen as well. This is what he says about meditative prayer specifically. He says that short meditative prayers, what are the next few words there? In the morning. In the morning. Yes, that's part of it. Slowly build a little nest for themselves in our heart and stay there for the rest of our busy day. The prayer can continue in our heart and keep us aware of God's ever-present guidance. 
The goal of this kind of prayer, this is important, it's not a, a mind prayer. You're not trying to find out new facts, okay? The goal is coming to the inner experience of God's shepherding action in whatever we think, say, or do. In his book, he talks about how if you sit down in the morning and you say, I'm going to give 20 minutes, and all I'm going to do for 20 minutes is try to engage with God's presence, and I'm going to say one sentence, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm not going to think about it too much. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to worry about making my coffee, nothing. I'm going to say that. I'm going to sit here in God's presence until something happens in my heart, and I engage with that truth, not just the words I'm saying. And he says, once you have that, once you have that feeling, go through your day and discipline yourself to go back there. All throughout the day, the Lord is my shepherd. And don't just say it. Try to access that place in your heart. That might seem weird. It might seem mystical. But to some of you, you're like, oh man, does that work? And I can tell you I've done it. And it works. And it's awesome. But it takes discipline. You have to access it. You have to do it. Now, you might be able to access God's presence by carrying a Bible verse in your pocket. Or just by taking 10 minutes to, you know, kind of walk out by yourself and recenter. Some of us can do that. But others of us can't. And I'm just offering this as one suggestion to actively practice the presence of God. Sound good? Amen. All right. So Sermon 1 of Maxed Out, how do we make space for meaning in a crowded life? How do we make space for God in the middle of our stressed out existences? And step one from tonight is to realize the truth that He is present. You're not trying to do something that's silly or stupid or in vain. God is with you and He is for you and it's a promise. Once you believe that, you can move on to step two, and that is saying, all right, what other presences, what other voices, what other influences are so loud in my life that they are crowding out the still small voice of God? What's making it difficult? And if you take a second, and if you think about your life and what you let in, just a word on that, by the way, you know, being entertained isn't so much something you do. Entertainment is something you take in and feed on. Entertainment changes your heart and mind. That is soul food. And it matters what you take in. You're ingesting that. Okay? It's important. So if you look at your entertainment, if you look at what you're taking in, I'm certain that we can all name one or two things that can be cut back. Maybe they're not bad things, but maybe they're crowding out the best thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So find some of those competing voices, acknowledge them, name them, and disengage. It's important. Number three, choose to start your day with a meditative prayer. You think that's crazy? You don't think it works? Maybe it won't for you. It's always worked for me. But will you try it once this week? For 20 minutes? Set the alarm on your iPhone? The Lord is my shepherd. God is my helper. Lord, you love me. God, I trust you. Forgive me, Jesus. God, you accept me. Lord, I'm your child and you're my father. Pick something that resonates with you or needs to resonate with you and sit with the Lord and say it until you believe it. And make it next. And then lastly, choose to engage with God's presence throughout the day. YouTube's not going to log you in by itself. God is not going to log you into his presence. He will take 999 steps to you. Choose to engage with him. It is a discipline, but it's a discipline that works. And suddenly, without your 40-hour work week or 60-hour work week changing, without your children losing any doctor's appointments or baseball games, you will have space for meaning in your crowded life. Thank you, guys. Here's Shannon.